0: It really boils down to this myth of the meritocracy, that decisions boil down to some kind of objective system, in this case, a scientific methodology, when that's not really how it happens. I know, as a founder of a tech-enabled company, that people sit in rooms and design algorithms. People sit in rooms and decide methodologies. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves as leaders is, who's in the room, and what difference will it make? Welcome to the fall season of Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. If you joined me for the spring season, you learned a lot about the man box. In that season, my guest for the season, Sam Devens, and I explored a lot of different ways that the man box shows up and impacts personal interactions, whether it's one-on-one interactions or interactions in a small group. We got great feedback about the season. People really liked hearing Sam's perspective. And also I think people learned a lot about the man box. I know I did. And so there was a lot of interest from our listeners in continuing the exploration of the man box and how it shows up. I'm excited that Sam came back. So what we decided to do this season is build on and expand the man box discussion And we will explore different current events or issues that we see come up. It might be a little bit of a potpourri season in that we have a lot of different topics that we cover, but the through line of all of those will be, of course, gender and does the man box show up in the particular events that we're talking about. So I wanted to start off this season with a quote by Abdul Baha. The world of humanity is possessed of two wings the male and the female. So long as these two wings are not equivalent in strength, the bird will not fly. I thought this was particularly appropriate to how Unraveling Pink has evolved and last season and this season, having both Sam and I talk about different issues because having conversations where we share the male and female perspectives is really critical to moving us forward That's what Sam and I will endeavor to do this season. We will present ideas and themes that we see emerging, which don't necessarily represent the views of all women or all men, because we are all individuals, uh, and sometimes will not even represent my view or Sam's view. We're trying to put ideas out there that we see coming into the conversation or as themes in our society, and to have the biggest impact, we try to tackle the themes or ideas that seem to have the most traction before we get into this episode's conversation, I wanted to highlight a few books that were written by former Unraveling Pink guests. The first is Better Allies, Everyday Actions to Create Inclusive, Engaging Workplaces by Karen Catlin. The second is How to Be an Inclusive Leader, Your Role in Creating Cultures of Belonging Where Everyone Can Thrive by Jennifer Brown, Piloting Your Life, Take the Controls and Be the Pilot in Your Own Life by Terry Mead. And Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company by Caroline Stokes. Each of these authors has contributed to Unraveling Pink in the Past by showing up on our show. Check out their episodes if you haven't heard them before. And I will put links in the show notes to each of their books. I hope you'll check them out and support those who are working so hard towards gender equality. And now, here's my conversation with Sam. So what do you think we're talking about today? No idea.
1: (laughs) I didn't want to ask. Let's just just get the time between when I know and when we (laughs) record as short as possible.
0: I have a topic in mind. Lay it on me. And you you have a little advance notice of it, but is there anything that you... I have been thinking about that you'd like to cover today. Because you could surprise me, and I could be, like...
1: Not really. Clock. I mean, the the fact that we've been talking about the man box, I see it, and I'm more aware of it day to day in stuff oh, that's that I good.
0: see. You're, you're our advertisement, because that's the whole point of this, of as as you become more aware of it, then you actually see it in the world, mm-hmm. and then can act on it. It's a multi-stage process.
1: The acting on it is the tough part. Yeah. Like, how do you insert yourself into all these situations you can't you know and nor and we've been trained as as guys not to interject
0: there is this this knowledge gap that's hard to fill and there are still some things that you don't see the same way that women might see them Mm -hmm. and um, and i think that's important for us to recognize like it's not a light switch that you want to be a an ally to women and suddenly. You do see everything everywhere. It takes a lot of time and effort and learning and talking to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's understanding on both sides of the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. The topic that I wanted to talk about today is one that we had some texts back and forth about, and that's the the Forbes Top One Hundred Innovative Leaders list. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing, Sam? Ah, uh, this is funny.
1: <laughs> I was re- I was going down the list. I'm like, of course. Of course Annie sent this to me. <laughs> so glaring. One woman out of a hundred.
0: So there were a couple things I wanted to talk about on this because I think the initial reaction, at least, that I saw on Twitter, I saw all the outrage and then I saw all of the lists of a inno- hundred innovative women and no men. It's clear that there are a lot of really smart, innovative women out there. But when I was thinking about this issue from the perspective of the man what struck me about this is that it's just sort of reinforcing all of the norms and expectations and privileges that have been put in place all along. Mm -hmm. And so thinking a little bit about how do we move away from this model? And, and why? Like, what is it? Is it? man box driven to have these lists to have these top 100 is it something that is identifying the alpha males or giving people competition something to fight for is it awards like is there something from the male perspective or the man box teaching that makes these lists make sense in our world
1: it is a male thing but i don't think it's exclusively male
0: I would agree with that.
1: Let me ask you a question. Um, So there was one woman on this list of 100 innovators. And the rage on Twitter, was it rage coupled with you missed this list of women? Or was it just immediate knee-jerk rage of, like, why aren't there more women
0: on there? I think it was the latter. Okay. I think it was the how the hell are we in 2019 – and there's only one woman out of a hundred that's identified, really, on any list. Mm-hmm. And I think it called into question
1: the process by the, which yeah. they get selected.
0: Yeah, which yeah. I have some information about, and I wanted to talk a little bit about. Okay. It too. When I first saw this, like my knee, knee-jerk reaction, um, which probably won't surprise anyone, was, you know, what the hell? How is it possible that only one woman was selected? And then I I clicked into the methodology. I saw that this list was was put together by three men, which made me think, okay, well, is there, a, is there a lens through which they are viewing success, for example, or innovation that is a male lens that might exclude women? The editor of Forbes did a follow-up on why there were no more than one woman on this list, and he talked about the fact that this was a data-driven criteria specific list like they figured out all the criteria they plugged in all the data and out came a hundred names only one of which was female what struck me about this was that the criteria when you look at them reflect a long-term structural privilege and history Mm -hmm. for example Some of the criteria were, like, U.S. firms with greater than $10 billion market value, 50 largest private U.S. firms to go public over the past five years. Things like that were, just think historically about how long have women been in the workforce, how long have they been leaders, how few women are CEOs. I mean, we see other lists of the, the... um, number of w- female CEOs in the Fortune 100 or 500 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the, the historical lack of women in these positions, if you're looking at historical information, which they were, um, necessarily reduces that pool.
1: The Forbes editor didn't mention any of that.
0: So he did. He did recognize in this follow-on article, he did recognize that there were criteria that, you know, made sense from the perspective of the list they were trying to create, Mm -hmm. but that given our business history would naturally reduce the pool of women. So he did recognize that after the list was published. He acknowledged the methodology was flawed...
1: Don't you read those lists and think all, all the methodology is flawed? I look through those lists and I just kind of roll my eyes. It's just kind of like a big pat on the back for a bunch of, bunch of people that I could care less about.
0: But then why have them? Somebody cares about them. Right. Is it is it investors who are going to funnel more money into the next innovative company and that's going to be more men? Yeah,
1: I guess to to answer your question, that is a very male thing. Like who's who's the best? It's important to us to know who's doing what and who's better at doing that than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I guess, human nature. I don't know if it's exclusively male. Because um, you have the people's hundred most beautiful people, or whatever those lists are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just human nature. And um, I think it gives us a way to learn about who's doing what and a little caption of who they are and what it is they're doing.
0: Yeah. What I thought was really fascinating is if you dig into the criteria and then into the sub criteria, which I did. Um, Big data mining. <laughs> I wanted to understand like where is this coming from, and so they they get down to what they believe re- represent the important qualities of an innovative leader, and this th- this includes things like a media reputation for innovation, um, social connections, social capital related to innovation. Track record of market value creation, investor expectations. Like just taking those four, um, what struck me about a couple of these was the media reputation for innovation. Well, the media has its own reputation for not writing about women, at least in a positive way. So there's like there's gender bias that comes through the media side of who do they pick to write about. There was something on Twitter yesterday—a picture of of Daniel Craig and I forget her name, something Broccoli, and you know this is bad for me for not knowing her name, but um, the the woman who like produces the Bond movies now, mm-hmm. and she was walking with Daniel Craig on set, and the caption was something like Daniel Craig and his female assistant are having a moment, right? No way. So there's. Very clearly a media yeah. bias of either not identifying who the women are, or Stephen King did this too, or he, he he called attention to the fact that the media referred to Stephen King and his wife supporting some philanthropic effort, and it really was driven by his wife, and he's like, first of all, why is her name not out there, and why are you talking about right. me when she's the one who's uh-huh. driving Stephen this?
1: Stephen King and his wife. Yeah.
0: Wow. Right, and so... There's that, there's the selection of, of who are you writing about. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways that that media biases against women. Mm-hmm. And when you have that as one of the sub-criteria of innovation, that's another place where the funnel is going to extract mm-hmm. more men than women. Mm-hmm. And this social connections and social capital, there's this, this whole body of research around... The networks that we create, the connections that we create, looking like us. Oh yeah, and so we've talked about that. Yeah, and so you have, if if one of your criteria is, how socially connected are you to other important people, and the important people are defined to be, you know, white men or senior men or whatever, yeah. then that naturally is going to capture more people who look like that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a little bit leery. Uh, I was going to say venting (laughs) Uh, a little, a little ragey this morning, but, but I, I think these are things that we don't think about, right? We look at this list, we see this list and 10 years ago, no one would have called attention to the fact that there was only one woman on it, but getting deeper into why is this happening and what is it promoting? Mm. Like, is this... Going to just further the funneling of investment money into these ninety nine men and one woman, and we're going to see the same list in five years because the money's going to the people who are highlighted as the most innovative mm-hmm. like what investor doesn't want to invest in the most innovative people right. Phil no right I see it
1: I see it as back. I see it as a cycle that just kind of repeats itself and rents repeat, rents repeat mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I looked at the list, and I saw one woman's name on it, and I, my first thought was, yeah, it's typical, right? It's just the way it's always been done. But having heard the, the criteria by which the men were selected, that's rough. Yeah, you'd think that somebody at Forbes would have taken a moment and challenged that a little bit or have been aware of, of, mm-hmm. of how exclusive that club is
0: envision that room. If you've got all men sitting around the table talking about this list, we've talked before about the alpha male in the room and who's going to speak up, and you're not going to speak up against the editor who thinks this is a good idea. How does I, that get challenged?
1: I, I still have a hard time with that. They, they compiled a list, and they didn't step back and say, okay, there's, there's one woman on this list. Uh, do we need to change the criteria a little bit? Not to make it more equitable, but wouldn't it suggest that there was a flawed methodology there?
0: Yeah, that's I think the the right. right? Like somebody did is there, uh, is there something wrong with yeah, what we, How we? Uh, with
1: like this list? A, a warning light mm-hmm. didn't go off, and like wait, hold up, let's go back to the beginning.
0: How do you get people in the room raising those questions mm-hmm. in a way that is? safe for them in their careers, right? And we talked about that too. Like, you're not going to speak up if it's going to risk your livelihood.
1: I would imagine that the first thing that a group of men, men would think along those lines would be, yes, okay, there's only one woman on this list. Do we need to make it more equitable? Do we need to put more w- women on that because of the current environment, because we're going to get flamed if we don't? Do we put them on the list... And change the methodology solely because there are no women on the list. I think men have a hard time Mm -hmm. um, rationalizing that. They're like, if you are the most qualified, in quotes, Mm -hmm. um, you make the list. Full stop. I don't think they're going to change their methodology just to include more women. Because um, that's not what men do. If you're qualified, you make the list.
0: I want to push back a little bit on something. Because I don't think... I don't think women want... Like, we don't want handouts. We don't want your pity. We don't mm-hmm. want your pity list. What I would not want to see happen is this... Let's call it a preliminary list. So that right. what came out is the actual list. Let's say it was a preliminary list and everybody looked at it. And someone noticed that there was only one woman, which I'm not sure anyone even did, to be honest. They might have looked at the top ten and said, yep, that looks right. Mm-hmm. But if they did and someone said, well, let's... Let's just add some women to this list so it looks more balanced. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. No. That's not that's not an appropriate to me an appropriate way of addressing the issue. I think it's what you said next, which is looking at the qualifications. What is the methodology? Is it fair? Is mm-hmm. it actually getting us to something that is worth talking about? And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the Privilege Walk. Do you do you know about this the Privilege no. Walk? It was put out by I think Penn State University, and it's a way of helping people identify and visualize their privilege. And mm. basically, if we think about the top 100 innovators on the list. I would be really interested to watch them walk across the room in this Privilege Walk with a diverse group of people who were not on that list. The idea is, say, you take a group of people and you want to identify like where are the hidden privileges that people have or don't have in their lives and they take a lot of different forms it's not just gender or race or religion or what have you so if you imagine everyone like in a gym starting on the end line there are a series of questions where if you fall into that group you take a step forward if you fall into another group you take a step back and so you like go through all these questions and see where people end up and it's things like if there were people who worked for your family as servants, gardeners, nannies, etc., take one step forward. Like, you had the privilege of, of people taking care of things for you, and that had some advantage to you. If you were ever ashamed or embarrassed of your clothes, your house, your car, take one step back. And it goes through things like if you went to... Um, private school, take X number of steps forward. Mm -hmm. If you owned a car at some point in your life, take a step forward. And it just calls attention to all the subtle advantages that people get along the way on their paths Mm -hmm. or the disadvantages that people have because of the way they look, the way they dress, not having ownership of property or um, cars or what have you. The encouragement that you received or didn't receive from your family of what you can do, of um, whether you can go to college, whether you can do anything. I suspect that many of the people on that list would be furthest ahead in that privilege walk. Like they had the most privileges along the way and Mm -hmm. took those steps forward. Mm -hmm. And you look at maybe some of these alternative lists of innovative female leaders And all of them will have had at least one step back because of gender. Mm -hmm. But it would be interesting to see that room and how that walk plays out and how far ahead those 100 innovative leaders are versus the average person or the average leader or the average CEO. Mm -hmm.
1: I think a lot of those leaders that would be up front would tend to look back and look at the other people that are not at their level and think, well, because I did it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. It's a total blind spot. I've had this conversation with um, a few different people about uh, affirmative action, and it's the same. It's exactly Mm -hmm. what you talked about. A lot of these kids, uh, disadvantaged, come from broken homes, there might have been addiction or whatever, underfunded schools, et cetera, et cetera, the color of their skin. And I was for affirmative action because it's the last moment that we can legislate giving a leg up to someone uh, as other kids have the people that I've talked to about this uh, one in particular his whole philosophy was that no it's all on merit Uh, you're from a bad neighborhood do something about it if you want something go out and get it you know okay your school doesn't have computers your library does it's all about that self-reliance and he was just completely blind to the fact that he, as a white man, um, with two parents that loved him and money in the bank, the privilege that he was afforded that got him to where he is. You can't talk some, talk somebody out of that. I couldn't. Yeah. And I don't think people want to hear it. If that's, if that's what, if that's how they think and feel, it's, it's too hard to unravel.
0: Maybe. But I think I think that gets at one of the things you were talking about earlier, which is let's have lists based on merit, but that word merit has built into it all of these disadvantages and privileges, disadvantages yeah. and, privileges yep. and bias. And you take two people with very different backgrounds yeah. and they're going to have different paths and different challenges. Mm-hmm. And to reward and celebrate people who have had more privilege than others it seems like a self-defeating prophecy for the vast majority of people
1: remember when I asked you about um, choosing a doctor right we talk about merit you and you didn't want to talk about it right oh
0: my god so you're we, gonna do you, this now we, are you, you? Can
1: cut it out Let's and I do don't it. know if I, do can, if I can if I can set it up in a way that aligns to what we're talking about the Forbes list but mm-hmm. We talk about merit and the various facets of merit that you would use to select somebody on a Forbes list or select, in this case, um, a doctor. Given the fact that a white male has been given all these privileges and has gone to the best schools and has performed this uh, surgery 10 times more than anybody else, and you have a life-threatening illness or need a procedure, do you go with that male surgeon mm-hmm. who has benefited their entire life from uh, these privileges, um, or do you give some extra points to a female surgeon who might not have gone to like Stanford or wherever for that very reason? Like, how much merit do you award a woman um, when selecting something that affects you um Mm -hmm. and you know your your life
0: so that is a razor sharp question i know i know and i love it because you asked me this a while back and and every now and then i i come back to it and i think about it Mm -hmm. um because i if i if i think about things along a spectrum of impact on me. Mm-hmm. Like that's at, at the far end of the spectrum. Further away from that end of the spectrum, the life or death situation. It's an easy question. Absolutely. Like, right. like in the I'm abstract. gonna give the opportunity. Right. Yeah. In the abstract, if it's not going to have a detrimental, mm-hmm. like a serious detrimental impact on me, no question. I'm going to give an opportunity to women, other underrepresented groups who have not had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So clearly I'm stalling.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a tough one I know.
0: But um, as I think about that, so basically, the question is, do I put my life in the hands of someone who is the best? Right? Not should... from a not from an equal opportunity standpoint, but um, at that moment in time, is probably the best at that procedure. Mm -hmm. So my first reaction is I would go with a man. Mm -hmm. And that would be not because he's a man, but because if I look at all the information put in front of me, that person looks like the most likely to ensure that I continue living, which I have a strong incentive to do. The one thing I would temper that with is, as I was thinking about this, I do think that there are points to be given for people who have something to prove, like people who want to fight, who are building their reputation, who mm-hmm. need that win, yeah. the drive to succeed, the urgency, the my career might depend on this procedure, for example. When we first talked about this, I said, absolutely, I'm going with a man. I want to I live. This person has the best pedigree, um, the best chance for getting me through this procedure successfully. I'm going mm-hmm. with him. But as I've thought about it more, and I don't think this is just because now we're putting this out publicly. I think this is truly what I am thinking. I would want to understand how much that person cared about Getting me through that. Yeah. Like if it's something that this person has done a thousand times.
1: And they're not really engaged. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe, you know, this is just another procedure and not our interests are aligned of getting you to the other side of this successfully. So I'm going to say, I'm going to pull a lawyer answer and say it depends. It depends. It depends on that conversation. And how incentivized I think that surgeon is to keep me alive yeah I love the question and I would encourage people to spend some time thinking about that too and also how we define merit and opportunity
1: but also not so life and death but I mean choices that you've made you've had a choice between a man and a woman Um, why did you go with either one Mm mm-hmm I don't see a lot of men taking the time and thinking in the same way that you thought about it, giving an opportunity to somebody that might need it who hasn't had it. Um, it's a quick and easy decision for men to make. Just go, go, merit with, based. go with a qualified person. No questions asked.
0: Thanks, as always, for listening. Since I tend to experiment with different formats, on the show, I do love to get your feedback to hear how they resonate with you, what works, what doesn't work. So please do give me your feedback by emailing me at unravelingpink at gmail.com or messaging me on Twitter at unravelingpink. Kwame Nkrumi has this quote that says those who would judge us by the heights we have achieved would do well to consider the depths from which we started. And that has been the first qualification of this methodology. Where did people begin?